After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh morning. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
the road ahead is paved with possibility, laughter and smiles. When I'm with you, I'm soaring high and free. When you're in my world, I believe in me. I look into your eyes and see that I can be stronger, I can be braver, I can be, I can be anything, anything I wanna be. Oh, anything I wanna be. I have the power, I have the courage. I am a hero. Everything I need is inside of me. Is inside of me.
Jerusalem, oh, I can recall the first time I laid eyes upon your golden wall. Jerusalem, your very name brings the images of my year with you rushing back again. Jerusalem, your precious stone. Tells the story of the ages that man has known. Jerusalem, with each step I take, brings me closer to the one I knew and lets me see my heritage. From King David's tomb up to Heart Sophie, back to the hotel again. Someday to Jerusalem. How many people are thinking that around the world as we uh, continue to uh, watch and uh, hear about and uh, worry about our brothers and sisters in Israel and everything that's happening? I had a conversation last night with one of my nephews who lives in Israel, who's here traveling in the United States uh, for the last few days, and 
He described to me what life is like, and it is a tense situation, and uh, one where everyone is hoping that uh, someone of authority has a solution to this problem, um, that the enemy can be quelled to the point that people can walk with confidence and proceed through the day with confidence in the Holy Land. That's Safam with Jerusalem, as we think of Jerusalem. And as I said yesterday, anybody who's planning solidarity trips to the Holy Land, let us know. Let us know about your trips. It'll only add to the um, the spirit and passion that people in Israel and outside of Israel have for the Holy Land. And as we continue to encourage people to keep their trips on the calendar, uh, we want to know about anybody who's traveling, especially in large groups, to... Um, Show support and solidarity. So important. Yaakov Shweki before that with I Can Be. You heard Hamalach, brand new from David Gabe. Simcha Liners, Aisha Schail off SL2. Shalshelis and Yala Viavo on this Rosh Chodesh morning here at JM in the AM. And Regesh, of course, opening things up as usual. And we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this October the 14th, day one in the month of Marcheshvan. It's the second day of Rosh Chodesh here at JM in the AM. Um, today, all the, again, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. You know what that means. It means, uh, Yalaviyavo, Halil, special Torah reading, Musaf, and, um, and Barchinafshi plus whatever your tradition says. Um, Fifty nine degrees outside, seventy percent humidity, winds are west at five miles per hour, mostly cloudy with a high of seventy, then tonight partly cloudy, a low of fifty degrees. Uh tomorrow sunshine, a high temperature of sixty six. Right now we're at eighty six in Yerushalayim, fifty nine degrees here in Jersey City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, uh thank goodness the headlines this morning are not of uh, attacks that are uh, going on, thank God, thank God, Baliyayin Hara, as we say. Uh, but the news is dominated by the topic of these recent terror attacks in Jerusalem and beyond in the Holy Land. And um, I'll give you an example. The Jerusalem Post has headlines this morning about the police beginning to seal off flashpoint Arab neighborhoods in Jerusalem, how Israel is easing its gun laws in a bid to cope with the Palestinian lone wolf attacks, how Israeli settlements, quote-unquote, have shut their gates to Palestinian workers in light of the violence. But the one that caught my eye more than any other this morning is an article uh, about the security cabinet that met a late Tuesday night with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. The Security Cabinet met in a marathon session Tuesday night to approve measures that Prime Minister Netanyahu promised the Knesset would convince the enemy that, quote, terrorism does not pay. In the midst of another day of attacks around the country, left three Israelis dead and more than 20 wounded, Netanyahu convened his 10-person Security Cabinet to draw up additional measures in an effort to stop the wave of violence. The Cabinet convened at 3.30 in the afternoon, broke briefly so Netanyahu could address the Knesset to mark 14 years since the assassination of Tourism Minister Rechav Mzevi, and then reconvened at 7 p.m. for a meeting that continued until early Wednesday morning. 
A number of measures were approved, including sending IDF soldiers to city centers and highways throughout the country to reinforce the police forces. Some of the other measures that the Security Cabinet passed included the authority for police to close or surround areas in Jerusalem where there is friction or incitement. In addition to destroying terrorist homes, it will now be permitted to rebuild at the site of the it will not it will now not be permitted to rebuild at the site of the demolitions. Three, the seizure of terrorist assets, and four, the revoking of the permanent resident status of East Jerusalem Arabs involved in attacks. The cabinet also decided to increase the police's operational forces. Another measure taken was the decision to hire 300 security guards for public transportation in the capital at a cost of 80 million shekel a month. The prime minister's office said the security cabinet would reconvene Wednesday to deal with other issues, including incitement of the violence. Steps will be implemented immediately to, quote, restore quiet to Israel's cities, Netanyahu told the Knesset before any decisions were made or announced. The premier pledged that Israel would settle its account with, quote, murderers and those who want to kill and anyone who helps them. Not only will they not enjoy their privilege, but we will exact from them the full price. Anyone who raises a hand to harm us will pay dearly. We will not hesitate to use all means at our disposal to restore peace to the cities of Israel. Israel is strong, Netanyahu said, and despite the desire of the terrorists, we will be here forever. Addressing Mahmoud Abbas, the Prime Minister said, stop lying, stop inciting. Abbas must stop not only the lies coming from the PA regarding the Temple Mount, but also the falsehoods regarding the events of the last few days, he said. You must fight the extremists who are causing civilians to pay the highest price. The wild and deceitful indictment against us continues, he added, citing the Monday attack in Piscat Zev, in which a 13-year-old Palestinian knifed a Jewish boy his age. Netanyahu explained that an Arab youth critically wounded a Jewish youth, but when the security services stopped the attacker from continuing his stabbing rampage, he was turned into a martyr who was supposedly executed for no reason. First of all, Netanyahu clarified he did not die, he's alive. Secondly, he was not executed. He wanted to execute others to murder and kill. But your spokesman is presenting this in a distorted and outrageous manner. Netanyahu said, don't turn murderers into heroes, calling on Abbas to fulfill his responsibility as a leader, and work to restore calm. So that is um, the article about the security cabinet approving new measures to fight terror after this marathon session they had. The question, of course, has been over the last few days, is the government of the state of Israel equipped and ready to deal with this situation? Everyone wonders. And hopefully this is this will be the beginning of a process that, in fact, will lead to uh, clamping down on the enemy and will lead to the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in Israel. JM in the AM, 22 minutes before 7 o'clock. More coming up at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org and on the NSN app.
husband can't make time. I find it bizarre, even funny, how people go around killing time. You can spend all your time chasing money, but all the racing will be wasting your time. Realize the risk you are running, cause you were running, you were running out of time. Yes, you're money, money, money. You've got money, money, money. Still, you keep on trying. Money, money, money. There's no denying. Time keeps on flying. From his brand new Akola Toba. Aryeh Kunstler with Moda Ani. You heard Hazorim done by Shlomo Katz. Moshe Hecht and Heart is Alive. Yomi Lowy had Pen Pen. Hula done by Eighth Day to open up that set. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh morning, and it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live. In the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmdm.org. Golly, it's all in the background with our news from Israel coming up. 59 degrees, mostly cloudy, a high of 70. It is a Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh morning. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. Don't forget them this morning. Uh, Rosh Chodesh goes through this afternoon. And, um... And uh, that is that. Uh, the NSN Nahum Siegel Network presents amazing programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. We'll give you details in just a few minutes. Tune in. You will be fascinated by some of our great programming all through the day. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMTheam.
גלי צה"ל, השעה שתיים. כאן אהוד גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. צעדי התגובה בעקבות גל הטרור. ביציאה מהשכונות במזרח ירושלים נפרסות עמדות בדיקה של המשטרה. ראש הממשלה נתניהו סיפר על המהלכים החדשים בנאום בכנסת. החלטנו אמש בקבינט שבנוסף להריסת בתי מחבלים לא נאפשר בנייה מחדש של בתים במקום שנהרסו אותם בתי מחבלים. נחרים את רכושם של מחבלים שביצעו פיגועים, נשלול תושבות קבע למפגעים ונתגבר את כוחות המשטרה בערים ובצירים בחיילי צה"ל. ושר התחבורה ישראל כץ אומר בריאיון בגל"צ, צריך לנקוט צעדים התקפיים. אי אפשר רק להתגונן, חייבים לעבור להתקפה, חייבים לוודא שמי שעושה מעשה או שוקל לעשות את זה, שבעצם בקצה שלהם זה לרצוח ילדים, ידע שהוא ישלם מחיר כבד מאוד. ואם משפחתו כבר עוד לפני הביצוע והשכונה שהוא גר בה, יצטרכו לשלם מחירים כתוצאה מהגבלת חופש התנועה ודברים נוספים, הם ישלמו. ההפגנות בגבול עזה. אלוף פיקוד הדרום היוצא, סמי תורג'מן, אומר כי חמאס משחק באש. בטקס ההחלפה עם המפקד החדש, אלוף אייל זמיר, אמר תורג'מן. חמאס נכשל בדחיית סיפוקים, רכב על גל ההתפרצות בירושלים, גרף הישגים טקטיים, אך המשחק באש עלול לגרום להתפשטות בלתי מבוקרת. את הדברים הביא כתבנו רמי שני. אלון גובברג הוא הנרצח השני בפיגוע אתמול באוטובוס בארמון הנציב. כתבנו רום ליאור. הלווייתו של גובברג, בן 51 במותו, נדחתה לחמש בערב והיא תתקיים בבית ההספד שבגבעת שאול בירושלים. לאחר שביממה האחרונה מאז הפיגוע נעשו מאמצים לאיתור קרובי משפחתו, אך לא נמצאו כאלה. מוקדם יותר היום הובא למנוחות חביב חיים, שנרצח גם הוא בפיגוע בארמון הנציב. לבית החולים באילת הגיעה צעירה כבת עשרים במצב קשה, ככל הנראה בעקבות תאונת צלילה. דיווחה כתבתנו יערה שפירא. בעקבות הכישלון במוקדמות היורו, תוקם ועדה מיוחדת שתבחן את מצב הכדורגל בישראל. כתבתנו קרן בן מרדכי. שרת הספורט רגב ויו"ר ההתאחדות לכדורגל עופר עיני החליטו על הקמת ועדה מקצועית משותפת לבדיקת ענף הכדורגל ולקידומו, שמסקנותיה יכללו המלצות לקידום הנבחרת הלאומית. רגב אמרה כי אזרחי המדינה נחלו אכזבה גדולה ומפח נפש בעקבות כישלונה של הנבחרת הלאומית, ולכן החליטה לפעול. רגב הוסיפה כי מטרת הוועדה לקדם ולהציל את הכדורגל הישראלי להישגים גדולים יותר בעתיד, ולהביא תוכנית לאומית לאישור הממשלה. מזג האוויר לסיום, מחר ללא שינוי ניכר והטמפרטורות רגילות בעונה. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין.
J.M. in the A.M. at 10 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh morning. That's Nochi Cronin Company with um, Rabos Machshavos here at J.M. in the A.M. I was sad to hear that uh, Rebetzin Jungreis is not well. Her uh, name, uh, for those of us who would like to um, keep her in mind for Amy Shabarach, is Esther Bas Miriam. Esther Bas Miriam, one of the great and uh, one of the most amazing people in recent Jewish history, frankly. Rebetzin Esther Jungreis. So again, it's Esther Bas Miriam, and we pray for her Rafur Shlema. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. They're the ones who uh, have been encouraging people to daven on her behalf, and it's much appreciated. 59 degrees outside, mostly cloudy with a high of 70. It's Rosh Chodesh morning here at JM and the AM on this Wednesday. Tomorrow, Lord Jonathan Sachs is uh, out with a brand new book, Not in God's Name. And uh, we get to speak to him at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. We are very much looking forward to it. Uh, he'll be uh, with us via telephone. Um, the brand new book is extremely timing, is ex- extremely timely, I should say, as you can imagine. Not in God's name, confronting religious violence. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Lord Sachs, our guest tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, right here at JM in the AM. I mentioned that the... Uh, NSN app and jmnam.org has amazing programming all through the day. Today we debut a program at 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM in the AM, uh, called Branching Out. Uh, it's our friends from JNF who are presenting it on a weekly basis with great guests and wonderful topics. And Russell Robinson, the CEO, who is always a great interview, is my guest coming up at 9 o'clock this morning on that program. Very much looking forward to it. 9.30 this morning, our friends at Corin Publishing uh, continue to just provide incredible uh, material and some wonderful author, authors. Rabbi Taburi, Rabbi Aviad Taburi is going to be my, uh, my guest at 9.30 this morning. Uh, his father's book, The Weekly Mitzvah, is going to be our focus, plus his own book, or I should say uh, another book that he helped compile, on um, the service of the Kohen. Uh, we're going to focus on that as well. So you'll have an opportunity to hear two wonderful uh, updates regarding books um, in one conversation. And uh, that's with Rabbi Aviad Tabori out of Israel. Uh, both his, um, his father's uh, weekly Parsha analysis, which is amazing, I was telling him how much I enjoyed it over uh, this past Shabbos. And then his own, and then again, another uh, work that he compiled um, on to serve the uh, significance of being a Kohen and Kahuna in general in uh, in the Jewish tradition. So that's all coming up between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM and the AM on jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. Make sure to be tuned in. More coming up here. Keep it here on a Wednesday, Rosh Chodesh morning at JMNM. Rabbi Ishmael, Allah, Lashamai, Rehama. Sadiqi, Beitim, Sadiqi. Hi, 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 hi.
It's Benny Friedman, Rakbi Yachad, off of the CD with All My Soul, Kolon Hashemash Ali. Leif Tahar had Rachem. You heard Rebbe Yishmael done by Yitzchak Fuchs opening up that set. Rosh Chodesh morning. It's JM in the AM on this Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Tomorrow, Lord Sachs. Name of the book, Not in God's Name. And um, Rabbi Sachs will join us at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. That is the name of the book. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, tomorrow morning at uh, 8 o'clock right here at JM in the AM. A lot of communities are uh, holding Shabbatonim. We're going to be speaking to um, somebody from Stamford later, and I think tomorrow another area of Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken, is checking in. I was just reading about Memphis, Tennessee. Top 10 reasons to move to Memphis. No city or state income tax. Affordable housing. Orthodox and community day schools. Newly renovated JCC. Wide availability of kosher food, fantastic quality of life. They have an incentive package down there. Um, tuition discounts, free membership at the JCC, and a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, just one of the communities that is uh, making a push to get people to visit and see what's happening. Here it says, we can't wait to meet y'all down in Memphis, Tennessee. 100 new families at gmail.com. 100, the number 100, new families. Make sure you spell families right. It's I-E-S <laughs> at gmail.com. That is their email address. 
How do you like that? Later on this morning, we'll have an opportunity to check in with our friends at Nefesh Benefesh. Yes, our hearts and minds are on Israel, but there are some people whose hearts and minds and feet are dedicated to the state of Israel, still going to Israel, even with everything going on. And the Nefesh Benefesh is spending 10 days here in the United States with workshops and meetings across North America to kickstart the Aliyah dream for so many people. They've done this for thousands, for tens of thousands. And now they're doing it, uh, they're starting the process again during this season. They'll be in Brooklyn at Yeshiva Flatbush on Sunday, in Bergen County at Congregation Midday Yeshurun on Sunday night, Rockland County the following Sunday, Queens the following Sunday. Go to nbn.org, and a million other cities, by the way, in the U.S. They're everywhere in the U.S. and Canada over the next 10 days. nbn.org.il slash aliyahdream. nbn.org.il slash aliyahdream. Uh, I want to thank our friends from Mayanot Yeshiva High School. They checked in yesterday. And anybody out there, an 8th grade young lady and their parents and her parents are invited to the open house this Sunday. Registration begins at 9 o'clock. Maya Note located at 1650 Palisade Avenue in Teaneck. Get information on their website at mayanote.org. A reminder, this coming Monday night, there's an evening of Torah in memory of Beth and Morris Vitelowitz and in memory of Yehuda Baim. Happens this coming Monday night at 8 p.m. at the Bialstucker Synagogue on Willett Street in Lower Manhattan. Rabbi Baruch Simon speaks on the topic of the Torah view on communal response to tragedy. Uh, there will be, it will be followed by a Siyam Mishnayas and Mariv. And uh, information, you can contact the Bialystoker Synagogue or the Eastside Torah Center. Again, that's this coming Monday night, 8 p.m. at the Bialystoker Shul on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, last night, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to the Rosen family. Beautiful wedding last night. And what happened was there was an outdoor chuppah planned. And um, just at the beginning of the chuppah, literally, like as people were leaving the bedekin to go outside to go to the chuppah, it started to rain. And I must tell you, I have seen a lot of different things over the years. But the way that the uh, the staff at El Karib got that whole chuppah inside <laughs> to the chuppah room, and uh, and the staff of Aaron Teitelbaum and his incredible orchestra, how they got every piece of equipment in as this downpour was taking place. It was just unbelievable to watch. So a mazel tov to the Rosen family. And uh, it was an honor to be part of the uh, celebration last evening, but it was really something <laughs> to see what went on and appreciate uh, how professionals do their job. It was a very, very, I know it was a very stressful scene, but a very cool scene the way they handled it. And the families handled it with great calm, which was really nice. Anyway. Thought I'd mention that. Wish them a very special Mazda from all of us here at JMM. Reminder at nine o'clock this morning, it's Russell Robinson, my guest. He's CEO of the Jewish National Fund. Branching out is the program that uh, starts at nine o'clock this morning, right after JMM on JMM.org and on the NSN app. So uh, make sure to um, uh, tune in. You can comment on the app as well, of course, that you could do throughout the entire day. You can comment on our app, as so many people have been doing over the last few days. Um. So please take advantage of that and uh, comment away. At 9.30 this morning, Rabbi Aviad Tabori, we're going to be speaking about the uh, the book, uh, The Weekly Mitzvah. That's his uh, father, Rabbi Benjamin Tabori's uh, book, brand new from Koran Publications. And um, then he has a book 
entitled to stand and serve on being a Kohen. And um, we speak about that as well. Rabbi Aviyad Tabori joins me 9.30 this morning with the By the Book segment uh, and our friends at Koran Publications continue to offer us and come through with incredible authors and wonderful uh, publications. Really amazing stuff every single week. And it is much appreciated. JM and the AM on this Rosh Chodesh morning and just trying to get everything in order here so we can present uh, morning chizuk. Bear with me for a moment, folks. Hmm. Sometimes you never know how things are going to go. Um... I think we'll go with the safest option and just uh, go ahead and present a uh, repeat of yesterday's morning chizuk, which was on the theme of Rosh Chodesh. I don't want this Rosh Chodesh day to go by without Rabbi Goldwasser presenting his uh, important words. Uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, and Esther here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Talmud Yerushalmi that Rav Shimon ben Nisanel had great Yerashchet. The Bartanur explains that he was very stringent with himself. He even restricted that which was permissible. He did this in order to minimize any possibility of coming close to an Avera, a sin. It would seem that this is the only way to explain Yerashchet, the fear of the sin itself, for it's clear to anyone who fears Hashem that he is definitely afraid to do an Avera. The one who fears sin is a person who creates barriers to prevent himself from committing any transgression. When we bench Rosh Chodesh, we ask Hashem, Chaim Shiyeshpo Yiras Shomayim Vyiras Chet, a life in which there is fear of heaven and fear of sin. Aren't both of these really the same? The Baruch Sha'amar says a very interesting idea in terms of the distinction between Yerash Shomayim, fear of heaven, in Yerash in fear of sin. He explains that Yerash Shomayim helps us in being cautious to adhere to the Torah and not to do any Averis. It enhances our ability to do the Ratzon Hashem, God's will. Indeed, the Pasuk tells us, What does Hashem ask of you? Ki'im liyiras Hashem, only to fear Him. Actually, it's quite difficult to understand how can we pray for Yiras Shamayim. We learn in the Talmud and Brachos, Hakol Shamayim, everything is from heaven, Chutz miyiras Shamayim, except for one's fear of heaven. How is it possible to ask for something that's within the domain and power of the person himself. We can find an answer in the Talmud in Yuma. It says, A person who comes to purify himself is helped from Shemaim. The individual has to take the first steps. He has to lay the foundation for Yira Shemaim. Once the person has struggled to make that effort, Hashem will help him to accomplish his goals. The acquisition of Yerashchet puts one on a higher level so that one is so concerned about doing the wrong thing 
that he even abstains from something that is permitted. Why? Because it could possibly cause him to do an Avera. The Rambam comments, What's the difference between man and animal? An animal is restrained from doing evil only because of something external. However, a man's restraints lie deep within himself. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a good chodesh.
JM in the AM. It's Yehuda Green. Reb Shlomo's Nigun here at JM in the AM. There is a gentleman in our studio this morning whose name is Benjamin Wolf, and uh, he has information about a, a very special event that is happening uh, this coming weekend in conjunction with a uh, a significant date in Jewish history, and he'll explain to us why all this is significant, both the event and the um, a specific date in Jewish history. And we'll do all that coming up, but what I found most interesting about Benjamin Wolf is uh, his background, frankly, as I read about uh, some of the things that he has encountered over his lifetime. And he is in our studio, and he thinks we're going to be speaking about this event, but I'm likely going to speak more about about his life. Benjamin Wolf, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. How are you doing? Nice to meet you, sir. You too. Where do you live? I live in Woodmere, New York. How do you like that? But you're not originally from there. You're originally no, from no. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, originally from Nashville, Tennessee. You're just talking about Memphis. You know, we all don't right. have quite all the perks that they have over there. How far is that from Memphis? Uh, 200 miles, three hours. Is there an Orthodox community in Nashville? Yeah, there's a, there's an Orthodox community. There's, uh, you know, there's a shul that's been around for like over 100 years. Used to be downtown. Moved to another area called Sheriff Israel. Wow. Um, that's why I found it funny. When you walked in and commented on all the vinyl LPs that we have here, you're from Nashville, after all. Yeah, that, well, that be, Music City. Right, know. the capital of music in the United States, right, essentially. Absolutely. Uh, and um, it, it says here you went to a Catholic high school. Yes. You became observant at a place called Father Ryan High School. Yeah, Father Ryan. That, that's, uh, it's a great school. And this is in Nashville? Yeah, Father Ryan High School in Nashville. I, know, I, I can imagine it's a great school, but I would question whether it's the uh, optimum environment for well, someone to try to become observant. You know, all. I mean, not that many alumni went to Yeshiva University, you know, from Father Ryan, i got to admit. But it's, um, but it's, you know, it's a great school. I mean, listen, I, I grew up in a reform house. Right. Um, my parents, uh, amazing people, still live in Nashville. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I was looking at high schools to go to. I was kind of intimidated by the public school thing. I went to private uh, elementary school, so uh, a lot of kids from my elementary school were going there. Um, I visited different schools. It was the friendliest place, so that's where I, that's where I chose to go. And I just figured I could get around the whole religion thing. Cause right. But how does one become observant in a school like that? How do you get to a point where, according to what you wrote to me, you actually wore a yarmulke? And Sitsis, by the time you were in your senior year at the school. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't the school directly that tried to get me to become Orthodox. Not that I know. Yeah. <laughs> that I surmised. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I met, I met other Orthodox, other religious kids. Uh, people had become religious through NCSY or they, in Nashville? Or, yeah. Or they grew up religious, um, in Nashville. And so I was basically at a lock-in, which is like a youth group. Uh, event where they lock you in the building overnight, uh, and it was an inter-youth group event. There was kids from uh, there was kids from USY, BBYO, AZA, BBG, uh, the local chapter of Nifty, which we call Nasty Nashville Temple Youth, which I was on the chapter board of, and uh, and we were very proud of our name. And uh, NCSY kids were also there, so uh, so I, I happened to connect about one o'clock in the morning to uh, to like two or three. Uh, Orthodox kids from NCSY, and I was a you know and it was liberal, that... open-minded person. You know, if I met somebody who's Buddhist, I would want to you know find out more about them. So right. I met Orthodox people, perfect opportunity to learn about somebody different. So we asked lots of questions, ended up staying all night talking, and uh, ended up doing some some theater with uh, with a couple of them because I brought them into theater. They were interested in theater. I was already doing it, and um, just became friends with them. One thing led to another. 
And senior year, I'm wearing a yarmulke and sit this out at uh, Father Ryan High School. And the reaction of your classmates? The reaction of the classmates was very unexpected. I expected questions, yeah. uh, comments, maybe anti-Semitism. Right. I don't know, you know. But um, I literally, maybe my whole senior year, I had maybe like one comment from somebody like, hey, what's that on your head, you know. Nobody like nobody said anything. It was the most unexpected reaction or non-reaction. Uh, people just took it in stride. I mean, I'd been to the school for three years previously, but Benjamin Wolf is here. And before we reveal why you're really here, <laughs> what was your family reaction to all this? Well, you know, we had some rough uh, we had some rough times at the beginning. Um, you know, because at the beginning, you know, like when anybody's becoming religious. I was having, you know, more a lot of changes. I was changing this, I was changing that. You know, it was very, uh, very discomforting for the family. So there was some issues at the beginning, but I think I think once I, you know, as a kid or high school kid, started to kind of level off and not have as many changes, fast and furious coming on at them, um, we, you know, they they just became completely supportive. We had a great, you know, just uh, really had a great relationship. I'm actually coming to visit at the end of the month. Um, Do you have your own family now? Yeah, yeah, got a. And everyone, a, all the generations get along fine. Oh yeah, everybody, everybody loves everybody. Got four kids. Uh, my wife Malka. And it four, must be cool to say your grandparents are in Nashville. I mean, yeah, that, that must be pretty cool. Well, so it's, yeah, it's great. You know, we moved into the H. Kodish community in Woodmere, and uh, you know, we'd actually moved there from Des Moines, Iowa, which is a whole separate story. <laughs> but the, uh, but you know, Des Moines, Nashville. Uh, it just made it so much easier to start conversations. Right. Oh, you're another guy from Queens. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, but like, oh, you're from where? You know, then, you know, it's a nice conversation starter. Um, indulge me for a moment, all right? If it's possible to do this in a sentence or two. What is so attractive about our way of life? What is it that takes a 17-year-old or whatever age you were when this whole transformation started, whenever that – it sounds like an epiphany happened over that weekend, you know. Well, yeah. What, I mean, what is it that, that, that gets you onto this road and just keeps you going nonstop? I mean, sum it up in three words, not even a, a long sentence. It's Torah is deep. That's, that's actually the thing that got me is that I, I had – you know, I met kids – even kids, again, these are NCSY kids, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. And, uh, you know, when I ask questions, why do you do this? Most of the questions I asked were, like, basically feminist-related questions. Because right. it's the only thing I had ever heard about orthodoxy was right. how misogynistic they are right. and, and whatnot. But, um, the uh, you know, I asked, why do you do this? Why do you do that? And, you know, and they had answers. Like, they had they had answers. And, like, the way the way I grew up... And reform, my, my impression of it was, well, why did we do this? And there's like one pat answer. That's the same question, you know, that's the same answer whether you're in kindergarten or, or, or 80 years old. You know, there's just a one line pat answer. Okay. You know, that's it. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed, it just seemed very simplistic. And, um, not that I was looking for anything different. I just thought that's what Judaism was. Right. You know, but then I started asking questions to these, you know, Orthodox kids about why they do this and that and the other thing. You know, and they had, it just, you know, there was a whole discussion. Things went into it. It was just a lot deeper than anything I came in contact with before. So that's, that's kind of what made the initial pull. Right. And I didn't have an epiphany, like, want to become Orthodox that night, but right. like over the next months and year, um, I started going to a class for teenagers. Um, see, there are a lot of teenagers listening right now, especially in carpools where they're probably being forced to listen. <laughs> and they're on their way to school. And from different, a variety of backgrounds, you'd be shocked at the variety of backgrounds that the teenagers who are listening right now are from. Okay. And many of them, I would bet, are saying to themselves as they hear all this, 
Hey, Benjamin Wolf, don't you know about all the stuff we can't do and how restrictive this tradition is and how difficult it is to live up to the expectations of our parents and grandparents, especially in the lap of luxury here in the New York, New Jersey area? Right. And you would say to them, also a three-word answer or would it be a little longer? I mean, you know, obviously there's, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's the idea of, uh, of, uh, of the, the you know everything's in the Torah. I mean, just have to have to turn it over. I mean, you know that, that's the that's the one that's the one that's the answer on one foot. But you know you have to go and learn. After no, that. but what my my point is when you when you see or hear kids today again. I mean, I think it's like this in every generation. But obviously, this is now when we're when, what we're going through, uh, either complaining or pointing out the difficulties of our observance. You, you have to sometimes sit back and laugh because you know the real comparison you know how rich our lives are compared to again the i don't know i don't want to say mundane or put down you know anyone's you know other type of background but you know you you know how rich this is compared to other ways of life yeah absolutely i mean i guess i guess if you're talking to from kids what maybe the different maybe the different emphasis i would put on it is uh is that yiddishkeit's exciting and you know and if you're not brought up in a in a school or a home or a shul or whatever where that excitement is lived by the adults around you mm. then you know then you could definitely understand why why people feel that way and if people and if and if frumkite is presented as simplistic which I, I understand it all you know it is in many cases right. um then of course you know you can't blame kids it's it's in fact the deepest most uh you know, most most serious, most sincere kids, I think that are that are going to be oftentimes rebellious because um, because they're going to say, you know, th- like this, this is what we, you know, like this simplistic thing is what we have to, you know, go about. You know, you just have to look at excitement. I mean, just you know, if oh, if, I think if, we, the- if we live ex- if we live excited Yiddishkeit and don't just live it that oh we have to do the checklist, have to fill out the checklist, have to do this today, do this today, fill the you know, do this yantif. Um you know, if you do, if you do beyond the checklist, you know, living beyond the checklist, if you do it as like an exciting thing, um, then you know, the adults have to see the excitement in it. They have yeah. to set the example I think for hit, kids to hit. See right. That. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the. Uh, I think that's it. That the we we could preach about the excitement, but if we don't display it and really allow the kids to live it, then you know, what do we expect from them? Right. I mean, the, the truth is that's a maybe a perfect key into to why yeah, I'm here because true. why are the, you why are you here, well, Benjamin Wolf? I'll just say one thing is that you know we're you know there's uh so you mentioned the the date now right so this job as Parshas Noah happens to be the fourth of Cheshvan which is the yard site of Klonimus Kalman Shapira of of the Rebbe of Pirsetz Poland right. died 72 years ago um, after liquidation of the Warsaw Ghetto so one of the, so. One of the books that he, one of the books that he wrote, Savaziru's, is like a journal, it's like nothing else you've ever seen from like a tzaddik, a rebbe. Uh, it was a big rebbe from Polish Hasidus. You know, the, I mean, I could name the names of his of his ancestors, but um, basically, uh, it's like a personal journal. He like goes in and like what he's feeling and how he's like. Like he goes in and just talks in a more personal, straight way that you've like you know you know it's not like a, a drusha from on high you know it's like really really personal, and one of the things he says there is is that the soul craves excitement it's like a need of the soul just like food and water are a need of the body, um, and if you if you don't have ex- if you don't have, if you don't work to put excitement in your in your Judaism and the way you learn Torah or do mitzvahs, then 
the soul's got to find that excitement somewhere else. He says through cheap stimulation. You know, you'd rather you'd rather be horrified. You'd rather fear you're going to die. You'd rather see some horror movie or some torture. You know, these mm-hmm. things that people watch just just to feel something. Uh, the soul has to feel something. And so if you know, if we don't at least give our kids, or if we don't give ourselves like a way to like feel something in Yiddishkeit to feel excitement in it. Um, then we're either going to seek out cheap stimulation, which is just so easily available today, obviously, even more than ever before, uh, or if a person denies themselves even that because they know, you know, a lot of it's wrong, um, then they'll just develop some sort of form of mental illness. I mean, a person just can't remain emotionally healthy without fulfilling that basic need for excitement. It sounds like during your, and excuse the term, if it needs to be excused, your journey, you've explored many types of these books, many types of these works. It just sounds like from the way you're, you're speaking from this experience, experience um is this much different is his approach much different than other i don't know bali musa or others who try to instill this type of excitement in judaism i mean yeah it's it's you know i, I guess it just speaks so much to our generation because of when the pirsetsna rabbi some people call him the ish kodesh because right. of the book that he wrote which is really really relevant to what's going on in israel today i mean uh talking about you know serving god with with suffering and things that we don't understand why they're happening but um but he he was he was really yeah he was really unique i mean it's just he was just really modern. He was dealing with after World War One. I. I mean, we we have no idea. You know, we think there's like a kids at risk problem today, but we have no idea like what was going on after World War One. Uh, you know, communities were getting bombed out. Mm-hmm. People had to move from one place to another. The whole the entire Jewish community all over Europe was completely turned upside down. Uh, people were looking for meaning. The old guard, you know, the great Sadiqim and Rosh Yeshiva from the previous generation were, you know, continuing to push away doing things the way they'd been done. But people were just completely lost at that time. And, and, you know, with the communism and all the idealism that was starting to go about at that time, people were looking for meaning and they weren't finding it in the old guard. So people were leaving Yiddishkeit in droves. I mean, households were like, you know, uh, you know, Zadis and, and Bubbies with tickles and beards and payas. Um, you know, and kids or grandkids that were just like Bundists and completely not, you know, or just whatever, right. completely not from. So he's dealing with something even stronger than what we're dealing with today. But he was, you know, he was trying to show how to, uh, it's just so relevant to us today because he was showing, yeah, how do you get, how do you get excitement? How do you, how do you have like a passionate Yiddishkeit? Um, you know, compared to all the stuff that's out there, the alternatives, so to speak, that you know, which which can be you know, even more threatening today, that we you know, we might find them. Benjamin Wolf is here. He claims that over 1,000 people will be at an event this coming Saturday night. Explain what's going on. All right, so Saturday Saturday night, right after Shabbos, 8:30, and this is uh, this is not just for people in the five towns area. I mean, you have people coming in from New Jersey, Muncie, Brooklyn, really? uh, Long Island. Yeah, people come from all over because Rev Weinberger, Rev Moshe Weinberger, the Rav of Ish Kodesh, who instituted this event, is this is the same Rev Weinberger at Yeshiva University? Yeah, I mean, right, and and that's you know that that that's also why like why he's Mashpia, then you know the kind of like spiritual guide to Yeshiva University over the last two years because. Um, because people want this message, like that of the Pirsetsna Rebbe, uh, they want that message of, you know, showing how Yiddishkeit is exciting. It's deep. It's, uh, it's stimulating. What will happen at the event? Well, so what's gonna happen is, so it's called a Hilula. Now, what's a Hilula? A lot of people are not familiar with that term. Well, like Bomer, we hear that term, right? Right, right, yeah. exactly. So it's the same idea that on the yard side of a tzaddik, in the case of Lag Bomer, it's Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai. Right. And you know, it could be any tzaddik uh, in Hasidish and uh, Sephardi communities. A lot of times, you know, they'll use that term, even not just about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, but it's, uh, but it's basically the celebration of the teachings and legacy of a tzaddik 
on his yard site. Right. So that's what it is. So Rev Weinberger, uh, for some of the reasons where he talked about, is uh, is just feels a lot of gratitude and connection to this tzaddik, the Pirsetz Rebbe and his teachings. The Aish Kodesh. The Aish Kodesh. So, and he named his shul Aish right. Kodesh after, after this rabbi. So he instituted, uh, starting in, I think, the year 2000, um, this Hilula on the yard site of, of the Aish Kodesh, uh, after whom the, the shul is named. And now it attracts over a thousand people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, people are really, I think, attracted to Rev Weinberger's message. I mean, he has a, he has a broad appeal, which I think is why Yeshiva University brought him on and, and why just been getting, this event's been getting bigger and bigger. I mean, Rev Weinberger speaks. Uh, you have Yosef Karduner, who obviously you're familiar mm-hmm. with, oh, yeah. uh, playing music. He's played every year the last many number of years. This year he's playing with Gadi Pugac, who's on violin. Uh, you know, so it really sounds like an amazing sound. We just had a trip to uh, the Ukraine in Eretz Yisrael with like 25 guys from the shul. And Yosef Karduner and Gadi Pugac on violin joined us for a part of the trip. <laughs> and we're like playing, you know, and, uh, and so it's, it's just going to be awesome people, you know, there's just crazy, you know, obviously people go crazy in the dancing, and, uh, and Rav Weinberger speaks, it's obviously a highlight of the night, and, um... How long does it go? You know, usually about two hours, I think it's 8.30, so I, I would say like 11.30 or 12, it would be over. Where is Aish Kodesh, for those who don't know? So, Aish the, the congregation Aish Kodesh is in Woodmere, New York. Uh, the Hilula itself, for anybody who can make it out there, is at the, actually at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst. We simply don't have enough room at the social hall at Aish Kodesh. So the, the, the social hall at Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst, at the corner of Spruce Street and Broadway in Cedarhurst, New York, is the, uh, is the location of the, uh, of the event. So the Five Towns has some real spiritual stuff going on, yeah, huh? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple things going on there. I mean, you know, Ishkodesh is not the only place, but it's, uh, but it's a great place to find that. And I think... What's Shul like on a Shabbos there? Different than other shuls? Or? Shul, shul is like, well, one difference is, to some shuls at least, that there's like no talking during davening. Zero? Right. I mean, it's, you know, you it's might think... It's not tolerated. No, it's not, it's not, it's not tolerated. I mean, I'm not saying that yeah, there's a lot right. of loud shushing, but... Right. Uh, it's kind of developed a culture of, uh, if you're there, you're there. Not talking. People are there to daven, right. you know, and you have all different levels of people. I mean, you don't have just like one type, you know, you might go to one shul, it's like all modern orthodox or all litvish or all Hasidish or whatever. But I mean, the shul is, is a mix of people, you know, most people are from a modern orthodox background of some type. Um, but they're really, you know, from black hats and guys with strimals to, uh, you know, to just to, you know, regular, regular modern folks. orthodox guys <laughs> going to kids going to co-ed schools. I mean, you have just the whole gamut of the you know the orthodox community um, I think one of the things that that makes this relevant is is what's going on now in Israel also is that uh, you know people who take it seriously people who are concerned people people who take personally what's going on in Israel that you know they feel like you know my you know my niece my nephew my brother my cousin um, is in Israel for the year now is visiting um, and people feel vulnerable people feel like even if it's somebody they don't know but they yeah, you know hear about somebody getting hurt and it just we take it personally so I mean uh, you know the uh, the uh, the the idea of being a religious Jew with you know and, and and trusting in God but then these you know bad things are happening so a thinking feeling person I mean some people just don't think and feel that much but you know a thinking feeling person you know is often bothered by by the situation and it creates pro- you know could create problems for them and Rav Weinberger has described Ish Kodesh the the, the book um, by this Pirsetzner Rabbi as like a Shulchan Aruch for how a Jew can uh, deal with suffering and you know still have faith in 
in Hashem and still have a relationship with Hashem when these things keep happening. Has that been translated into English? Yeah, it, well, yeah, it has. There's a book called Sacred Fire, which is a translation right. of it, and then uh, Nehemia Poland has, has a book, Holy Fire, which is like, I think, takes certain parts of it and right. writes about the... What about the book that's being debuted this coming Saturday night? Right, so that book is is basically, like like I said, Rav Weinberger feels a great connection uh, to, to this tzaddik, and he asked me out a number of months ago uh, to... Uh, to 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 write a book based on the teachings that Rav Weinberger had given at the at the Hilulas that the Shul had had for the Pirsatz Nerebi since the year 2000. Have you ever been asked to write a book before? Uh, I hadn't. <laughs> I hadn't written, this is my first book that I'm putting out. It's not the first book I'm working on, but, um, you know, I guess over the last four years, I've been, uh, I've been writing up, like, in detail, Rav Weinberger's Shabbos morning drushes. After Shabbos, I, you know, I write them up. Uh, he, you know, with all the Marmacomos, and he reviews them. We put them online at, uh, at my blog, Dixieid. Uh, again, from Dixie-ed. Na- I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, so my blog is called Dixieid. Where's your southern draw? You know, I have no idea. Yeah, I lost it somewhere in high school. I don't even know because, <laughs> I, I saw my bar mitzvah video one time. So I know at 13, I gave my little bar mitzvah pshatl at the Reform Temple, and I, I had a I had a real southern accent. So, but then by the time I came to Yeshiva University, right after you know freshman year of college, I, I didn't even go straight to Israel. I came to YU right after leaving Father Ryan High School, like so many other Father Ryan graduates, and. <laughs> And uh, and not a single person said anything about my accent. Now you know a southern accent in New York stands out of like course. a sore thumb. So I know that I must have lost it yeah. while I was in high school. But I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> I, you know I would have liked to keep it. You know, but I don't know. I somehow lost it. So you went ahead and wrote this book, and it's being debuted this coming Saturday. Yeah, night. I, it's I distributed be, by Feldheim, and it'll be available to everybody. Yeah, there and I guess everywhere, right? It'll That's be so. available. Yeah, it's, it'll be available. We could have a few hundred copies there at the Hilula. Um, Young Israel Lawrence Seedhurst, State 30s, you know, Motsi Chavez. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's available. You can go to Feldheim's website. I know yeah. a number of people that ordered it there. See, for and me. Jewish bookstores all over. See, for me, to remember details of a Shabbos speech after Shabbos would be impossible. Right. But I, but I remember when I was in high school, there were, there were very close friends of mine who every Shabbos, every Saturday night would do just that, would write down everything that was, you know, said to us over Shabbos, and they had this unbelievable wow. ability to... See, you're one of those guys. I'm you're, not, you're, I'm you're one of those guys. I'm not entirely... No, no, no. I'm not entirely one of those guys. I got, I have a secret, and I'll reveal it here on the air, because Rav Weinberger gives me his notes after ah. Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, they're, they're, you know, he's got small handwriting, so there's still a, there's still a challenge involved in that, uh, you know. But sometimes he doesn't use notes, so well, those weeks I have to do it by memory. Now you've authenticated the accuracy of the book, at least, that's yeah, for sure. Right. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Benjamin Wolf. He invites you this coming Saturday night to the Hilula of the the Ash Kodesh of Kolonimus Kalman Shapira of Piasetsna. 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 That's why I hesitated to say it. I can't yeah. pronounce it. Also, Piasetsna. some people know him as the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto because he, he wrote. I think Shlomo Kalbach quotes him often. Yeah, Shlomo, yeah, I think a lot of people hear about him from yeah. Shlomo Kalbach. Right. He uh, he uh, he was known as the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. I mean, he wrote the book Ash Kodesh right. to the people who were trapped with him in that Warsaw Ghetto, and he buried the manuscript um, un, you know under a building, knowing that he was going to be killed. Right. Um, and it was found years later and published in Eretz Yisrael by his by uh, 
uh, by people in Eretz Yisrael, published Eish Kodesh, and he wrote it as the drushes to people in the Warsaw Ghetto, like, you know, basically, essentially before they were all killed. Unbelievable. So. The name of your book, for those who are going to be searching for it? Warmed by the Fire of the Eish Kodesh, Torah from the Hilulas of Rab Klonimus Kalman Shapira Fiasetzna. Um, so again, it's available, it's like right at the top of the Feldheim uh, website under new releases. And just for informational purposes, everybody's invited for Saturday night? Yeah, everybody, men, and men and women are okay. invited, there's a ladies section. And uh, that happens at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst. Yep. Under the jurisdiction of the uh, uh, Congregation Eish Kodesh, yep. under the leadership of Rabbi Weinberger. And you are Absolutely. encouraging everybody to be there. You, you Please are, come. All you, over the area. Muncie, Brooklyn, You are guaranteeing an uplifting experience. Yeah, I think that people are going to be amazed. What an amazing uh, morning with you. I'm so glad we met. And Yeshikoch and Mazdov on the book. And uh, Thank you. Good luck this coming month to Shabbos. And Thank best you. It's great meeting you. Best regards to Rabbi Weinberger. I'll, I'll let him know. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Beafilu Oh, man.
Shame in the AM with Chaim Yisrael and that uh, very popular single, certainly very popular for quite a while. That's Va'afilu here at JM in the AM. Good morning all, Rosh Chodesh morning. Thanks for joining us. It's Wednesday with 59 degrees, mostly cloudy and a high of 70. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Russell Robinson, the CEO of Jewish National Fund, is my guest on Branching Out. Great brand new program we bring you right after JM in the AM every single Wednesday. Make sure to be tuned in. It is a very, very interesting conversation, if I say so myself. Then another interesting conversation after that, at, uh, at 9.30 this morning, Rabbi Aviad Tabori, um, on his father's book, entitled The Weekly Mitzvah, right, Binyamin Tabori, an amazing book, had the pleasure of uh, going through it this past Shabbos. And then he's also responsible for compiling a brand new book to stand and serve on being a Kohen. If you're a Kohen especially, you'll find this fascinating. That's all at 9.30 this morning. Thanks to our friends at Kohen Publications for continuing to provide amazing guests for us. It's much appreciated. J.M. and the AM with a reminder that tomorrow, Lord Sachs is our guest. This time tomorrow, Rabbi Sachs, who just wrote a book entitled Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. And what a week it is to discuss this topic with Rabbi Sachs. Not in God's Name is the name of the book. All right, Jonathan Sachs with us tomorrow right here at J.M. and the AM. And uh, very, very much looking forward to that, as I'm sure a lot of listeners are as well. And that happens tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Make sure to be tuned in. should be very, very interesting. Mentioned earlier that the security cabinet spent a lot of time, a lot of time, meeting last night into the early hours in the morning, and I'm referring to the security cabinet of the State of Israel. And the Prime Minister has announced certain restrictions and certain new innovations and policies that are supposed to, in fact, quell this... uh, spate of terrorism, this gal ha-terror, as they say in Hebrew, this wave of terror. Uh, Let us hope and pray that, in fact, the leadership of Israel, starting with the Prime Minister, uh, is able to, in fact, implement his recommendations and the recommendations of the Security Cabinet and that they do have a positive effect when it comes to the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. And as you heard us mention during the conversation just now on the air, uh, everybody around the world is focused with our hearts and minds on what's happening in Israel. And we are hoping and praying that uh, the government of the state of Israel, despite what many in the United States, the UN, and many other places on this globe, despite what they say and how they encourage restraint, uh, that in fact the state of Israel and its leadership will be able to do what needs to be done to keep our brothers and sisters safe. Rosh Chodesh morning at JM in the AM with eight ton cats.
J.M. in the A.M. with 810 Cats. It's called Kuma here at J.M. in the A.M. Hey, I want to wish a happy birthday to Maishi Rosenwasser. Hey, Maishi Rosenwasser, happy birthday to you from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Lobo uh, sent a message to us that we cannot, and he is right, we cannot forget Maishi Rosenwasser's birthday. So that's happening today. Maishi, happy birthday to you. From all of us here, from Lobo and the entire Worldwide Lobo organization. Yeah, the entire organization. <laughs> and, uh, again, all of us here at JM in the AM. want to wish a mazel tov to Abba Florence of Flatbush, Brooklyn, getting married tonight to Malka Bieberfeld of Silver Spring, Maryland. Abba Florence, Malka Bieberfeld, we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Simcha Liner, brand new. He's next at JM in the AM.
In the AM, brand new. It's a simple liner here at JM the AM. Rosh Chodesh morning on this Wednesday. Uh, well, my wonderful cousin Michael Feldstein is with us live via telephone. I had mentioned there are a lot of communities that are organizing uh, Shabbatonim and events to try to attract people to come to their community. And uh, our family, when we visited the Feldsteins uh, toward the end of 2014, we were so enamored with the Stamford Jewish community. I said we should do a couple of minutes and invite people up there and uh, Give them an opportunity to see what's going on up in Stamford. Michael Feldstein, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Chodesh Tov, to you and to all of the JM in the AM listeners. Thank you very much. And uh, here we go. You're, this is actually an official Shabbaton, correct? Yes, and this is the second annual Shabbaton. It will be held on October 23rd and 24th. Last year we uh, started uh, the idea of a Shabbaton for prospective residents. We had 11 couples who visited. Nice. And in 12 months, three of them, three of the families, have actually moved in with two more considering. So our track record is pretty good, and uh, we, we had great success the first time, and we're doing it again this year. Yeah, that's an unbelievable rate of success. So it's next Shabbos. It's a week from this Shabbos that uh, there will be a Stamford Shabbaton. Any family that wants to come and, uh, and visit and see what it's all about will have an opportunity to do so. What, what do you say to people who know nothing about Stamford? What do you say that would be attractive to folks out there? Well, I have six reasons why a family should consider moving to Stanford, and that's not to say that there are plenty of other wonderful uh, communities for other Orthodox for, for Orthodox families to move to. But six reasons why people should consider moving to Stanford. Okay. Number one, Stanford's very well known to be a community that is particularly warm and hospitable. Tremendous amount of chesed and kindness are displayed by its residents. Two, it's a very pretty community physically. It has many different neighborhoods within walking distance of the shul, great downtown area. Lots of commerce. Um, three, those who move to Stanford can immediately get involved in various aspects of the Orthodox community if they choose. Or if you want, you can take a more laid-back approach. Hmm. Fourth, a lot of people feel that the community tends to be a little less judgmental about religious differences in Hashkafa. So um, we're very accepting of those who may not exactly fit the exact mold of the typical Orthodox family. So you can easily find a, a place for yourself in Stanford regardless of your background. Fifth, the community has all the basic amenities that an Orthodox family is looking for. We have an Arab, we have a mikvah, two Orthodox shuls, a day school, plenty of kosher food, along with a great group of families who live here who are committed to making sure that our community continues to grow and flourish. And finally, number six, it has an out-of-town feel. Um, it's still a short commute to Manhattan and other metro New York areas, but you um, uh, still feel like it's... Uh, 
out of town, and, and you kind of get the best of both worlds. You know, a lot of communities like to say that and, in fact, uh, publicize themselves as that, but people don't realize how close you are to New York. In your case, it's really true. Yes, uh, 43 minutes to, uh, to Manhattan via Grand Central, and um, it's, it's really very close. I think one of the myths about Connecticut, everybody thinks it's very far. We're actually closer to Manhattan than many communities in Long Island and New Jersey. Yeah, and I know that uh, certainly Stanford, but I think other areas of Connecticut as well, there are, uh, are there teenagers who go to uh, Yeshiva High Schools in Bergen County and in Westchester. Yep, so. yep there are a few people who go to, to Mayanote from Stanford. Right. It, so, it, so, it is doable. So even there are also four kosher eateries here. Uh, that's one of the things that has, um, has happened in the last few years. We have a kosher sushi place now, a meat restaurant, uh, a pizza and dairy place, a vegetarian and Indian vegetarian Indian restaurant. No one's going hungry in Stanford. Yeah, and you're forgetting some of the great snack places that happen to have a hashkacha as well. You know, absolutely. <laughs> when we when we come to visit, we're not we're not passing up the uh, stop at Cinnabon, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so absolutely, there are still a couple of spots left uh, for those families who might want to experience uh, the Shabbaton. It's it's great. It's a very informal. It's very low key, non pressurized way for. Families families who are considering moving to a New York metro suburban location to kind of get a feel for what the Stanford community is like. So if you are uh, at all interested, uh, you can email me at michaelgfeldstein at gmail.com. Uh, you can call me, 203-973-6279. I encourage everyone who is somewhat interested to visit our website. It's checkoutstanford.com. Uh, you'll get a good feel for what the community is like and has lots of information about the community. And I'm sure it goes without saying, but I'll bring it up anyway. Uh, the rabbis of the community are completely behind the effort and I'm sure are helping you in spreading the word and encouraging people to come and be part of the community. Uh, they are and uh, it's, it's a real community effort. Uh, uh, not, all, not only the Orthodox schools, but the, the day school and uh, all of the other uh, supporting uh, institutions. Michael, great to speak to you. Regards to everybody, and good luck next Shabbos, and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much, Nachum. There he is, Michael Feldstein, my wonderful cousin up in Stanford, doing an amazing job, as always, in a leadership role to bring more and more people to their community. It is a great place. I mean, it's a, you know, everyone's got their community, their needs, and, uh, uh, you know, they find their place. Stanford really attractive to a lot of people out there, and, uh, it's certainly worth checking out if you're thinking of relocating. Rosh Chodesh morning. It's a Wednesday at JM in the AM. We'll focus on Nefesh Benefesh because, of course, no matter what community we're talking about, our first ultimate goal is to encourage people to head to the Holy Land. Mark Rosenberg of Nefesh Benefesh will join us coming up. This is JM in the AM. <laughs>
Chodesh morning with Yossi Green. Hine Matov off the Yes Legacy CD. Before that, David Dax with that amazing Kalbach medley. Shlomo Kalbach's yard site is this month on the 16th of Mar Cheshvan, two weeks from tomorrow. We hope to present a uh, comprehensive Kalbach special that morning and through the day. We were expecting Mark Rosenberg of Nevesh Benevesh to join us. Not quite sure. Uh, I assume his schedule changed at the last moment. Uh, Nevis Benevis present their Aliyah Dream Tour, a 10-day tour of workshops and meetings across North America to kickstart your Aliyah Dream. Uh, they'll be in a lot of cities, maybe not a million cities, like I said earlier. And then Matis uh, sent me an email telling me that, uh, <laughs> that for the record, there are 19,354 cities and towns in the United States. He indicated that's close to a million, but I think he was just trying to make me feel good. But anyway, uh, they'll be in a lot of cities, uh, uh, this Aliyah Dream Tour around North America. They'll be in Brooklyn this coming Sunday, Bergen County on Sunday night, Rockland County next Sunday, and Queens next Sunday night. Information about all of this, nbn.org.il slash Aliyah Dream, nbn.org.il slash Aliyah Dream. And he was going to, and, and if he's, if he gets in touch with us in the next few minutes, obviously I'll put him on the air. Um, but one of the things we were, we we're going to address today is, um, it is amazing. How the news from Israel encourages certain people to escalate, or I should say to accelerate, their Aliyah process. Which is unbelievable when you think about it. We have a lot of amazing people in our community worldwide, that's for sure. Even here in the USA. And many of them are accelerating their Aliyah dream because of what's happening in the Holy Land. Which is really amazing. Really incredible. J.M. in the A.M. and a reminder tomorrow, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Lord Sachs, is our guest tomorrow. Uh, the book is called Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. What a timely topic for this week. Tomorrow, Rabbi Sachs joins us on the air to discuss the brand new book. That'll happen uh, about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Make sure to be tuned in. should be a very interesting conversation. Uh, coming up at 9 o'clock, you'll hear branching out as the Jewish National Fund CEO, Russell Robinson, joins us starting at 9 a.m. this morning. Very interesting conversation. That happens starting at 9 o'clock this morning. Um, and that's a um, that's uh, for 30 minutes. And then, and then uh, the second half of the hour... Our friends at Current Publications have arranged for Rabbi Aviad Tabori to be with us. Uh, his father's book, The Weekly Mitzvah, is pretty amazing. And there's another book that he's responsible for called To Serve, To Stand and Serve on Being a Kohen. He'll speak about that one as well. It's between 9.30 and 10 o'clock this morning. Information, if you go to the Curran website, K-O-R-E-N-Pub.com. A lot of amazing stuff coming out from them especially in the last few weeks. Rosh Chodesh morning, it's JM in the AM. This is Isaac Bitone.
Isaac Betone and Company. That's a good one. Samanafshi here at JM and the AM. Well, Mark Rosenberg is in fact with us. Mark Rosenberg is the director of Pre-Aliyah at Nefesh Benefesh. And as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, where are my notes? Here we go. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, Nefesh Benefesh presents the Aliyah Dream Tour, a 10-day tour of workshops and meetings across North America to kickstart your Aliyah Dream. They're going to be in a lot of cities across North America. They'll be in Brooklyn and Bergen County this Sunday, Rockland County and Queens next weekend. Information, nbn.org.il slash aliyahdream, nbn.org.il slash aliyahdream. Mark Rosenberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, good morning, Nachum. Spoke to my nephew late last night who's visiting here from Israel. Described to me the tense situation. Um, spoke to my brother. He pointed out the differences of all these episodes compared to some of the other horrific times that Israel's had to go through. Uh, how would you describe things at the moment as a life continues both in Jerusalem and the rest of the country? Um, it's, uh, it's intense, is one word. Uh, I think that uh, that's a good way to describe it. There's, tense is one way, but I thought it's intense. I think a lot of people are really uh, concentrating, first, of all, first and foremost, on safety. And making sure that um, my children get to school and get home on time, and uh, making sure that everyone is safe. Um, and there's a lot of concern, and uh, the people are really trying to fight off uh, sadness uh, with hope, and making sure that uh, this maybe this episode will be behind us, but uh, really trying to focus to make sure that everyone is safe. It might be remarkable for some people to find out that your efforts do not go. Um do not fall on deaf ears at this time. Because, you know, what would people suspect? People suspect uh, people like yourself are going to travel this country and say, hey, you know, have you been listening to the news from Israel recently? How would you like to move there? How would you like to live there? And one might think you'd get no positive response. Yet, in situations like this, as I pointed out minutes ago on the air, it seems you encounter people who want to accelerate their aliyah as compared to those who would not even dream of moving to Israel? Oh, it's remarkable. It's really remarkable. First of all, I have to mention that we had this just uh, a few hours ago, a, a group flight landed of 65 New Olim. Uh, we had 65 people planning to arrive, and everyone showed up at the airport, checked in their bags, and they arrived in Israel, as was planned, despite the recent events of the past two weeks. But I think that the, there's a paradox, uh, and I think that's definitely uh, it's associated to the beating heart of the Jewish spirit and the connection to the land. Um, I, I use the word paradox in mind with uh, a famous Israeli professor, Shlomo Avineri, says the paradox uh, historically is that Jews wanted to move to Israel and they couldn't, okay? And when they finally did, a lot of them didn't. Right. But yet we see that this, this, the, the news often intensifies people's connection. Um, and we're receiving, receiving inquiries of people who are, you know, they're, they're making sure that, um, uh, that that everything is fine. It's nice to get those check-ins, uh, emails, and messages. But a lot of uh, my business, my my work email, uh, people are just you know they're 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 saying that their plans are still on, and th- this this is not going to distract them from their goal. Um, and I think that uh, I think for some people, um, this this the news and the terror attacks brings out first first of all a sense of solidarity, a sense of you know. My family is over there, and I feel connected to them, whether they have physical family or not. But you know, the Jewish people is one large family. But it it draws them to a larger sense of this is you know I I, I want to be really a part of that um, and and be closer to that action. I think the social media 
and the images bring people that, you know, the news closer. But um, other people are saying that this is something that um, it's reminding me that these are the values that I want to live, and I, I want to stand up and say that this is this is where the Jewish people belong. And on top of that, when, when you know, people like us or even total strangers express that they feel the pain and that their hearts and minds are constantly pointing east, wondering about people like yourself and others who we don't know, of course, who live in Israel, but have the situations. So you don't roll your eyes at that. You do appreciate the the messages that are coming across the ocean, even from complete strangers. It's really it's really important. I, listen, there's a, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition. I won't lie. I think it's important to be straightforward. Sometimes, and this was really exasperated uh, when the, when the when the boys were kidnapped and uh, and then there was Suketan, the, the operation in Gaza, that you'll see on, on Facebook a juxtaposition between what people in Israel are doing and what people are doing on a, a Sunday in America, that people are, you know, picking up from soccer games. And it, it reminds you of, well, we are, we're on a different, you know, daily life rhythm. But when people send those messages out and people, people you know, are, are making making to human rallies and expressing that there's a solidarity. It really sends a message that we are part of this greater um, greater people, and I think even more so, especially when you see that how some of these reports are being twisted in the news. It's reminding that there, there you know there is a moral voice out there, and there are people behind us around the world, and it gives you a greater strength to be on the front lines, knowing that people are you know are packing your bags and people are sending over that support. Yeah. So I think that, that when I get those messages, it's not like oh you know it's harder for me than for other people. It's really a sense that you know we're in this together, and that with with that we'll be able to feel. Uh, that pride that we're victorious. Well, you're really well spoken on this issue, and it's much appreciated. Mark Rosenberg is with us, director of Pre-Aliyah with Nefesh Benefesh. We spoke about the uh, amazing pull that uh, the state of Israel continues to have, even during these times, for people who've had an inkling of an Aliyah dream. Uh, you're, you're starting an Aliyah Dream Tour. You are bringing this to Brooklyn and Bergen County this weekend. For our listeners in this immediate area, it'll be up in Rockland County and in Queens next weekend. Um, you're going to be in a variety of places, you know, a lot of cities around North America. What is the Aliyah Dream Tour? So we have our normal workshops where we're going to be able to give people the uh, healthy dose of inspiration about why to make Aliyah and uh a lot of resources about how to do it over the past year. We're just beginning our 14th year of assisting uh, people moving to Israel. So we've, we've got a lot of tips and a lot of uh, ways to help people do it in a really successful way. But what we've seen, I think this is um, one of our conclusions from our conversations after our charter flights this summer and speaking to people, and the, and the feedback we got from the people watching is that there's this um, – Almost, I almost call it a reminiscence bump, a, a memory people have of that time they were in Israel or that time of life when they were really establishing their life streams, where they were either, you know, that time they were in yeshiva in Israel or they were in college or they're getting married and saying, you know, these are my values. And people who were, who were coming were saying that this is something they established um, along the way that, that they had wanted to achieve. So what we're trying to really do is help um, nurture that for some people who are a little bit farther away from the decision-making process um, and they'll, they'll draw strength from gather, gathering together with people who are planning. And that we realize that dreams are really important. And that even though time has passed, and I'll say this personally, that, you know, having children gets in the way from, you know, maybe pursuing your professional or personal dreams that you may have had when you were 19 or 20, even though one of your dreams was to have children. <laughs> um, we can really um, help make your dream of living in Israel possible. Um, and we have a lot of experience, whether you're 
55 or older, whether you have young children, even if you have older children or you're just graduating from college, we have the expertise and we have the resources and the contacts to help maybe address how to build a plan for the next eight months or two years or five years right. to make that possible. So this is really a, it's a different stage. You're used to meeting people at, uh, at different events, uh, the mega events certainly, and other events that you hold here, uh, who have a, you know, a, a practical goal of getting to Israel, and they think they're ready to start that process. This is a different type of stage. This is You want to address people who have this dream. Do not think that any type of practical aspect of it you know, could get into their lives at this moment, but you're going to prove otherwise. Well, I think that's, that is definitely one of our goals. I think it's, it's a reality, I think, that when we, when we sit in a room of 50 people and they're, they're, they're coming out for our seminar, that half the people there are really thinking about coming, but a lot of them are, are, are just, you know, dipping their toe in the water to find mm-hmm. out whether this is really possible for them. And we want to encourage more people to um, celebrate this option and celebrate the, the ability to explore it. It's just, um, it, it's a, a historical window of opportunity um, to be able to have the privileged schutz of living in Israel, and it's easier than ever. I get. I moved. To, I moved to Israel without nefesh benefesh, uh 14 years ago. Um, it's easier than ever to come, and I think sometimes we have to break out of the stories that we have, or just the normal, you know, uh, routines that we're in, or the, the news feeds, or the gadgets we have, and remember that we have these dreams. Um, and can, can we make the appropriate calibration to say this is something that I want to do, or I want my children to do, or I want to retire? Um, and and to turn a dream into a plan. And uh, that's what we really hope to do at, at these at these uh, events. It's the Aliyah Dream Tour. Information, go to nbn.org.il slash Aliyah Dream. nbn.org.il slash Aliyah Dream. Mark Rosenberg, very inspiring. We are thinking of everybody, all our brothers and sisters in Israel. Thanks so much for joining us, and believe you me, I hope this tour is a great success. Thank you so much. Wishing for uh, more peaceful news, and uh, uh, it should be Besorah Amen. Mark Rosenberg, Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il slash Aliyah Dream. This is JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Well, the way our, uh, our leader, Ken Friedman, just reacted to the news from Israel, it sounds like he thinks there needs to be a, a JMNAM presence there in Israel at some point in the next couple of weeks. We'll see if his words uh, come to fruition. Uh, meanwhile, the radio legend himself, who's queued up on CD number three, is set to start at 9 o'clock. Don't forget that just a minute from now, I get to speak to Russell Robinson, CEO of JNF, and the Branching Out program coming up on jamnam.org and the NSN app. And the 9.30 for Rabbi Tabori and those two brand new books, which are simply remarkable. The one written by his father, Ibn Tabori, and the one on the uh, life of Kohanim to... to um, how to serve as a coin. Tomorrow morning, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs with his brand new book, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Very much looking forward to it. Spread the word. Rabbi Sachs, former chief rabbi of Great Britain, United Kingdom, with us tomorrow morning here at JMN. Have a fabulous Rosh Chodesh Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.